Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Pokey Hangover. Ricky, let's start with this off the top, right? So we recorded a podcast about a week and a half ago, and the listeners out here are saying, oh, well, we didn't listen to a podcast a week and a half ago. I don't want to sit here and complain (laughs) and bitch and moan, but my computer actually crashed the following day. And the reason why that's important is because I went to pull the audio to edit this thing up. And when I went to do that, it only caught like 70% of my recording. And I didn't know why that was the case until the next day when my computer was like out of nowhere, just didn't work anymore. So this is my work laptop, by the way, we're talking about. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, we had we, we had such a good pod for that one. And, it, it, and it's gone. It just vanished into thin air and your audio was good it was all there you're welcome you're welcome no um no i was gonna say like technology is great right until until it isn't right and and when it isn't it just it screws everything up uh without a doubt so anyway we're back recording and god willing this will actually get published this time um because like we said we were trying to be pretty regular with how we were recording and now that's what happened uh we still don't have andrew so andrew an update on andrew he has gotten his laptop so that's good and we just couldn't make the times work with him this week so now it's just ricky and i recording yep yep so here we are so, that's you're, where stu- you're stuck with these two doofuses yep for what should have been a fourth consecutive podcast but actually is only a third consecutive podcast because we couldn't publish the last one okay anyway moving on <laughs> You want to slide that in. You want to complain about that anymore, Mikey? <laughs> slide it in. Um, all right, let's start with let's start with this, Ricky. This is uh, breaking news as of yesterday morning. We're recording here Thursday night, March fifth. Yesterday morning, defensive lineman Javon Becton, a reserve lineman for the Hokies, a guy who was a rotational type player, was not a starter, but he did get playing time, as you guys know, this past season. Suspended indefinitely for violation of school student conduct policy uh, per a release from Tech's football program. So, Ricky, immediate thoughts on this. Not great. Yeah, it's obviously a bad thing. Excuse me while I light my candle here. I, I, I want my room to to smell of fall morning. Um, oh, okay. That's that's <laughs> nice. Uh, but no, I mean, look, Javon, Javon played in six games last year. Okay. Javon did not record a sack. Javon recorded half a tackle for loss. Right. Uh, he recorded 12 tackles. So Javon did not really have 
a an impact on the on the on the games last year. You and I were talking about this before we hit record, and how this is probably going to be a phrase we're going to use more often here on the pod. Now, Javon Becton is a jag. He's just another jag. Guy. He's just another guy, and there's no way around that. And um, you know, unfortunately, everyone's got a bunch of jags on the roster, and he's one of them. Um, Tech will be able to replace him because, again, there wasn't much to replace in terms of production. It sucks because, because look, so you have to, anytime something like this happens, you have to assume that he's going to be gone for a lengthy period of time because these right. conduct things don't, generally don't work themselves out in a timely manner. They drag uh, out. And, and and even if they do, the player doesn't always get, get to come back. Right. So like, you know, any tech fan who's been around for, Anytime uh, is familiar with the CJ Revis situation where <clears throat> CJ was acu- accused of some sort of student conduct violation, nothing criminal to this day. Nobody really knows exactly what, what, what happened. There's a bunch of theories. Still out there. don't know. And, yep. and I'm not going to get into the theories because that's just what they are theories, but um, something like that, where we, we got, it took forever to get, uh, clarity on that situation and then all yep. of a sudden cj ends up leaving the program goes to juco and then ends up at marshall um unfortunately i can kind of see a similar path for javon beckton um virginia tech isn't going to wait around probably for for javon's case to be handled javon's spot on the depth chart is going to be wide open and if if he does come back javon's not going to get that spot back he's going to have to earn it so um, yeah, obviously not good. You never want to see uh, any player in any program for any school involved in some sort of student conduct case, which again, you know, he could be innocent. We have no idea what happened here, but, um, it, it certainly isn't a good look and you have to basically assume that he's not going to be in the picture for the foreseeable future. Yeah. We're a little over 24 hours removed from the announcement and there are, a million theories out there as to what happened, but there really nobody knows at this point, a hundred percent certain with certainty what happened. You look at like the Josh Jackson thing that happened a couple of years ago. Um, and that kind of got resolved, but you think about the times. Of you the remember year. how big of a deal that was when that came out. Right. And like, I, I yeah, a happened. lot of people forget that that even happened. Right. And, I think a lot of it too had to do with the time of the year, right? Like it broke in the mi- like mid to late May, early June time frame. You know, Beckton were in a situation now with some March, so a few months earlier. And like you mentioned, the school conduct. It you know, you and I are both alums of Virginia Tech. Any sort of school conduct issue, whether it be academic or something else, they tend to drag out. Yeah, and. I think in Beckton's case, he's fortunate that it did it did happen in March, right? Like this has happened in March, so that if he does get cleared of any wrongdoing or you know does his penance for whatever it is that he did, and he does have an opportunity to ultimately return to the football program, there there may be time for that, right? Like you might have you might be missing some summer workouts, you might be missing obviously all of spring practice. But there could still be time. But like you said, Ricky, like his roster spot is up for grabs. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, he's he's not guaranteed any playing time when he comes back. And, I mean, obviously, Tech's two highest-rated recruits in the last cycle are both defensive ends. So both of those guys are going to be gunning for that spot, and it wouldn't surprise me, and probably it wouldn't surprise a lot of people if one of those guys ends up breaking into the rotation, even, right. though, they're, even though they're true freshmen. So, um, yeah, it, it's it, it sucks, and, you know, you hope it gets resolved, and you, you'll hope all parties are happy with this the the way it gets resolved because you got to remember there's probably someone else involved um and you know hopefully it gets taken care of yeah so we'll see what happens there it's just not ever a good look when i mean we have to to remember this happens everywhere i mean oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, and so anyone i haven't seen this so props to the tech fan base for not overreacting um yep I mean, thankfully, nobody's been like, oh, well, this is a sign that Justin has lost the, you know, lost control of the program and he's, he needs to be more of a disciplinarian. Look, we, these are college age kids. If if everybody knew what you did in college, I'm not speaking to you specifically, Mike, but if everyone knew what you did, maybe you should be. Thing, <laughs> <laughs> if everyone knew what we all did in college, uh, it would be there would be plenty of things out there that would make us look less than perfect. So, um, happens, and hopefully it gets resolved. And Tech's just going to have to move on without Javon for now. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. We'll keep everybody posted once we get some sort of resolution one way or another but for now it's a suspension with kind of an indefinite time frame attached to it they didn't really give a time frame so we'll call it indefinite until further notice anyway um, he'll, be, he'll be suspended at least until the, the the um the student council or whatever it's called takes care of it yeah um the the thing is like with these student conduct situations it's really hard to put a true time frame on it so yeah because you never know what kind of situation it is there's all sorts of situations that this could be and i don't want to get into those to because i don't want to insinuate that it's one or the other um but hopefully you know hopefully everything gets squared away yeah all sorts of different situations and you also like just don't know when the case is going to be heard because there are multiple cases that they need to hear on a regular basis that don't involve student athletes that don't involve student athletes and you know, Tech's honor court, like, they don't make, you know, they don't give preferential treatment to student-athletes in these sorts of situations where they're like, oh, you're an athlete, we need to resolve this immediately. It doesn't work that way. And a lot of people say, oh, they can pull some strings behind the scenes. It, I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way, nope. at, at least in Virginia Tech. I don't want to speak for other schools, but it does not work that way at Tech. Nope, sure doesn't. Um. So anyway, well, and and Tech fans should be thankful that it doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, I mean, totally. I mean, have some integrity. Right? Yes, <laughs> at least yeah, at least not, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just have a little bit. All right. Um, all right. So moving on, Travion Henderson, twenty twenty one five star running back. He's from Hopewell, Virginia. Um, he is one of the best players in the class of twenty twenty one. He's the best running back in the class uh, per ESPN. I don't have 24-7 in front of me. He is, um, I'm sure. he is rated the, um, according to the composite, yep. he is rated the second best running back in the country. Just according to 247, he's number one at running back, and he is 11th in the country, according to 247. So Yes, so this is, real good. Yes. Real good. And 
look, we've been talking for a while about how important it is, and we, we can kind of lead this into a larger discussion, Ricky, about just kind of recruiting strategy in general. I think it's a really important step. It's a good step that after Virginia Tech has a 2020 class that finished as poorly as it did, that they were able to still get uh, Travion Henderson in the door for a visit for 2021, just given his stature and the schools that he's going to have, he's going to be able to choose from. Every school under the sun is offering this kid a scholarship. He's going to have his pick. He's going to be able to go to, you know, Clemson probably, but Clemson, Alabama, all these schools are offering him. He's got an offer sheet that's unreal. I mean, I yeah. think he's up to over 40 official Division One offers now. It's insane. Virginia Tech got a seat at the table for a visit. He is, of course, from Virginia. That helps. But Virginia Tech hasn't recruited the state well, at least in the last couple of years. You know, they're able to bring him in for a visit. He's not coming to Virginia Tech. It would shock, I mean, it would shock me if they were able to land him. And that would say that that would speak volumes about the coaching staff's ability to recruit, which a lot of people have questioned. I don't see it happening just because of who tech is competing against at a national level and the prominent universities are going to be going up against here. But the fact that they were able to get a visit out of Henderson, I do think that's a step in the right direction. Sure. I mean, tech has gotten visits from these kinds of guys before and it, it, it never moved the needle. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and, and give them praise for being able to secure an official visit. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a positive, but to me, it, it's not worth getting excited over because, like you said, there is probably a less than one percent chance that Travion Henderson signs with Virginia Tech. Um, here, I mean. If you go to this is never a perfect exercise, but if you go to two four seven's website here, they keep this database pretty pretty good, uh, pretty current. So if you look at the schools that are listed in the warm category, which is the same category that both Virginia Tech and Virginia, mind you, are in, um, these are the other schools that are in that category: Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, Clemson, Ohio State, and Penn State. Um, Tech is not as good of a program as any of those schools, even though I would argue Texas is not as far away from Virginia Tech as people would want you to believe because, man, Texas is, a, is just one big underachievement, one big pile of underachievement under Tom Herman. Um, so, yeah, the, he's he's probably not signing in Blacksburg. Um, I think Tech is probably aware of that. I would I would bet a good amount of money that Virginia Tech isn't banking on Travion Henderson to sign with them. Um, so they're not going to put all their eggs into one basket. But sure, I guess it's a good thing that he's coming to Blacksburg. Um, it, it's certainly not a negative. If anything, having a five-star recruit from your state. I mean, people were talking about, oh, Virginia Tech can't recruit the state. Well, they're probably not going to land this kid, right? So I don't want to like go too far down the path and like, you know, give Virginia Tech a bunch of pats on the back for bringing yeah, a kid in for a visit. But... Getting him, yeah, I mean, getting him into town for a visit doesn't show that you are improving your ability to recruit in the state of Virginia. Right. It just shows right. you happen to get this kid to come on an official visit. Right. Which Wait. coming off, I think, I think matters. So I think that it matters more from an optics standpoint right now, just because Virginia Tech is coming off of the worst class in school history. Fair. 
Um, All right, that's fair. So that's that's from an optic standpoint. I think having him come to campus less than two months after you signed one of the worst classes in school history, I think it's a positive step from an optic standpoint. But then again, like you're probably not laying this kid anyway. But anyway, it, I mean, it's exciting for people who love recruiting, and um, I just I don't see it happening. I don't want to throw a bunch of you know cold water on the whole thing. I just really don't see it happening well i mean if you if you come and listen to the hokey hangover you're going to get realism if nothing else so i think everyone everyone uh, accepts that um so yeah fans have to you know come to grips with the fact that virginia tech just isn't a sexy program right now and justin hamilton even tweeted something as uh, pretty close to that uh, saying how you know tech isn't as sexy as other programs right now, but they're you know building on the way that they prepare and all that other stuff. Right. Uh, that's who tech is right now. Tech is the tech is the program that's going to be forced to do more with less, and there are a lot of things that would have to happen in order for that to change. I agree. Um, so we talk about you know, Virginia Tech's ability to recruit in Virginia, outside of Virginia. We've had this conversation a little bit before, but I figured it'd be good to bring up again here because, you know, a lot of people talk about how important it is to win Virginia. And I, I agree, right? Win in state, it's it's important. Is it the be-all, end-all, though? No. So I've seen criticism on social media of Virginia Tech doing, like, NC to VT, Texas to VT, California to VT, with like their hashtags on social media. People are saying, oh, we can't even win Virginia to VT. So like, how can we get excited over these other recruits? My whole thing, Ricky, is I don't care if you're from Saturn. I tweeted this out. I said, you know, I don't care if you're from Pluto or the moon or whatever I said a couple days ago. If you can play, you can play, right? I think Virginia Tech needs to do better in Virginia. Virginia Tech themselves, the John Yezzy interview with Sons of Saturday, he said himself, we know we need to do better in Virginia. Yeah. Like, we understand that. So it's no secret that it's important to win your state. But with that being said, go get good players wherever they're at. Virginia Tech, in my opinion, and I'll open this up to you here in a second. Virginia Tech, in my opinion, their ceiling is limited if they only recruit the state of Virginia well, right? Virginia Tech has been a program that's won ACC championships. They've competed for ACC championships. But how close have they really been to winning a national championship, except for one time with a just generational player 20 years ago? They haven't really been all that close, Ricky, right? And my whole thing with this is... To be fair, they they had the year where they lost to Matt Ryan at home in the fourth quarter. If they win that game... They probably end up in in the national championship game that year, right? So that's the one. That's the one other season that yeah. you look at. You say, okay, like that was a team and, that had a really good shot. That was the year where they had something like nine NFL guys on defense, and they were just they, they were probably one of the top twenty five defenses to ever play college football that year. I mean, it, it was it was unreal how good the defense the, was. The roster. The roster was ridiculous. Yes. Like, it was ridiculous. So, yeah. So, that's my mistake. So, that would be the only other occasion, in my opinion, they've been, like, really, really, really close, right? Um, obviously, pre-playoff era and all that. Point being, Virginia Tech, historically, they've been good enough to compete in the ACC, to to win the conference before 
War Machine Clemson. This is the best program in college football right now. I don't care what anybody says. Um, historically, they've only been good enough, in my opinion, to break into that upper echelon at the conference level. If you look at how the landscape across college football has changed with the Clemsons of the world, with what LSU just did, with what Florida does, with what USC used to do, like not only do they win their state, Ohio State's a good example. Like not only do they win their state, but they're going elsewhere to get talent, right? Ohio State's not just winning with kids in Ohio. They're winning with kids in Florida. They're winning with kids in California. They're getting some kids out of Texas. The elite programs and a lot of people, myself included as an alum, everybody wants Virginia Tech to take the next step. Let's not only compete for ACC championships. Let's compete at the national level, right? And there's a ceiling to all that. And Virginia Tech has recruiting limitations and everything else. But go get the best players possible for your program, regardless if that's in-state or out-of-state. There is something to be said about getting a player to play for, I guess, his home school, you know, a school that's from the state that he's from. There's there's something about, you know, having a sense of pride about that. And I understand that to an extent. And that's one of the things that Frank was able to do so well when he was kind of in his heyday was that he was able to get all of these kids from Virginia who had that sense of pride about playing for a program in the state the problem and the thing that's changed since then is that all those kids that he found that were kind of diamonds in the rough and under-recruited are no longer being under-recruited. They're now being recruited by Penn State specifically, who is probably the school that recruits Virginia the best out of the entire country right now. Um, and Tech isn't able to develop those guys as much because those guys aren't even coming to Blacksburg. So, it, yes, it, it's important to win your state, and I think that if you have if you have one player from Virginia and you have another player from Pennsylvania and they're basically the same player and there's no difference between the two and you're trying to decide which one to take, I would take the kid from Virginia. But if you have any any discrepancy in talent level, you have to take the kid that's more talented because right now you're not a program that can afford to gamble on taking kids who that you may think will fit better into the program just because it's it's their home school. You need to stuff as much effing talent into the program as possible, and that's at every single position. You need to over-recruit as many positions as possible and continue stuffing scholarship kids into the, in, into the pipeline, and hopefully good stuff comes out on the other side because you're not going to get these elite these elite recruits until you start winning all these games but you're not going to start winning more games until you get elite until you get elite recruits. It's a chicken and egg thing. And tech's, tech's got to find a way to break the cycle. And the only way to do that is to expand your, your net and to be willing to go outside your comfort zone. California is not a comfort zone for this program. Even with all the, the guys who are from Texas and such <clears throat> on this coaching staff, they're not from California. There's nobody in this program with a West Coast vibe. It doesn't matter. There are kids out there that that can play, and if they can come and help your program, then you have to go recruit those guys. Yeah, and if they're willing to take a visit, yeah, you bring them. Yeah, you bring them in for a visit, and that's what they're doing. So I, hey, more power to them if that's what they want to do. The most important thing for this program right now, Ricky, is and this kind of this obviously ties into the recruiting discussion is player development, like. Develop the guys on your roster, develop the 
low to mid three star guys, right? Which develop develop anybody who you know you have such situ- certain situations where you have like a walk on that comes out of nowhere, and like a, a good example would be like uh, Michael Cole uh, when he walked on at Tech and he was a safety and played meaningful snaps for Virginia Tech um, back. I mean, when I was in school, like 2012 time frame. I mean, he was a key part to the back end of the defense before he had that neck injury that ended up ending his football career. But he was like a he was a pretty good player at the back end of Virginia Tech's defense. Wasn't a highly recruit highly recruited guy, a guy that the coaching staff uh, under Beamer was able able to develop. Virginia Tech needs to get back to developing the talent, and that's how you break the cycle, Ricky. To your point, right with chicken, the egg, gang elite talent, but get getting to eight, nine, ten wins on a more consistent basis, consistently beating your rivals getting into competitive games with very good teams that are on your schedule. Like, do that first. Win those types of games. And then when you get back on the recruiting trail, you're not going to pull in all these four and five stars that Clemson is. But you can pick up a few. You can pick up a handful of, of four and five and, and occasionally a five-star guy. Like, that's possible if you win. Yeah. Who, what, what program in the country right now, do you think Virginia Tech should realistically try to emulate themselves or, 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 or try to build themselves off of and, and in the image of, especially when it comes to recruiting and player development? Because I already know what my answer is. Uh, in my opinion, it is Penn State. Um, and the reason why I say Penn State is because Virginia Tech, and you look at Penn State's program, the back half of Paterno. Um, then they went with Bill O'Brien for, for a bit. Then they brought in James Franklin, and James Franklin has been killing it. James Franklin had good programs at Vanderbilt, which, by the way, tough place to recruit to because of just inherent limitations. And with the football program, it's just a tough academic school. He had good programs, not great programs. He gets to Penn State and starts recruiting the hell out of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, which isn't a great football state, but there is some talent there at the high school level. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, he comes down south into Virginia and he starts taking elite guys. Now, he he was able to make connections with players and recruit at a very high level. Penn State has historically been a very good football program. Virginia Tech has historically been a very good football program. There's no reason why you can't get to the level of Penn State when it comes to the recruiting trail. There's just not. There's no reason why they can't be that type of program. And Penn State now is getting to the point where they're a top 10 to 15 team every year. And that's what Virginia Tech used to be. There's no reason why you can't get back there. You might hate my answer, but I think it's 100% Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I don't hate that at all. Wisconsin is the the model for any any program that has serious recruiting limitations and how you can build a competitive and in in some instances very very successful football program i mean look wisconsin i don't think they've recruited in the top 25 at all in the last five to seven years and over the last five to seven years they've consistently been either the second or the third best team in the big 10 which is a usually a pretty deep conference and b is pretty damn impressive when you consider that the only school that they're they haven't really been able to beat is ohio state they've gone out and beaten all these other programs so in terms of the finances in terms of the um the limitations of being out in kind of a a remote place i know madison wisconsin isn't blacksburg virginia but it certainly isn't columbus ohio either 
where there are what three or four Fortune 500 companies that are based out of Columbus. Yeah, you know, Columbus is not is not a small town. I mean, hell, you it's spent not. you spent the last 16 years of your life in Columbus, Virginia, it's, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> if anybody can small. tell us, if anybody can tell us about Columbus, it's you. Yeah, small small metropolitan area, Columbus. Yeah, Columbus <laughs> is a Columbus is a. I mean, as far as like mid tier U.S. cities go, like like you mentioned, nationwide gigantic in Columbus. Like this isn't just like rinky dink the university is there and nothing else like in blacksburg where it's like virginia tech is blacksburg right yeah yeah. that's not the case in columbus ohio like columbus would survive without ohio state i mean i'm sure it helps the local economy but like come on now they got plenty out there outside of ohio state exactly so if you compare the two programs side by side i think wisconsin is the the model for virginia tech moving forward and if they're able to build themselves in that image I think tech fans would be pretty pleased because even though you're going to have a clear talent deficiency between yourself and Clemson, like Wisconsin has with Ohio state, you at least feel like you have a fighting chance every year because you're, you've got these difference makers and that's what Virginia tech was back in the day when they had guys like Brandon Orr and and Mike Emo and even a bit later going into Ryan Williams and David Wilson and Darren Evans, they had these game these game breakers. I mean, Jarrett Boykin was a guy who never really got enough credit at the national level, but Jarrett Boykin was one hell of a playmaker on the outside. Uh, Tyrod Taylor obviously got plenty of credit, but y- y- if you if you get yourself to a point where you're able to develop and grow players into competent people, and you're able to surround them with maybe two to five or you know two to three to four difference makers on each side of the ball you really start to put yourself in a position to at least be competitive at the upper echelon of of the industry and if you can get to be competitive at that point who knows what can happen because all it takes are a couple a couple good breaks and you start winning football games so right it's it's a process and it's not going to be a quick one but tech I hope that inside the program, Virginia Tech is trying to find ways to say, okay, Clemson is the target, right? Virginia Tech wants to get to Clemson level, and they obviously want to go beyond that. How do you get there? Right now, I think the best way to get there is to follow what Wisconsin has done, where you find these kids, you throw them into the program, you grow them, you develop them, and all of a sudden – when they become juniors and seniors, they're really, really confident football players. Right. Next thing you know, you're out there crushing the Big Ten West, which, yes, is the weaker of the two divisions in the Big Ten, but it's certainly no slouch either. It's certainly better than the ACC Coastal. Right. No, I mean, I'm I'm with you. And Virginia Tech, look, like I do think with this recruiting class notwithstanding, right, and you're you're afforded one of these types of recruiting classes. If you do something like this again, and we went into this extensively, so we don't need to just, you know, rehash the point. But if you do this for like two years in a row, you cripple the program for yeah. years to come. Yeah. If assuming that's that's assuming that you don't have like four diamonds in the rough or five, which you definitely I mean, it would be shocking. It would be one of the best coaching jobs in college football if Justin Fuente is able to make something out of this recruiting class outside of the top three players in it with Wooten, Bryant, and Tyree Saunders. Outside yeah. of that, if I mean, 
it would be an accomplishment to do that, right? If, and Virginia Tech needs to they, they need to take a step forward in recruiting and get back to how they were top twenty to twenty five level consistently, and then take that talent and develop it on the field, just like Wisconsin does. If they have another recruiting class like this, and, and what we can we can cap this discussion here, but if they have another recruiting class like they did this year, they will firmly place themselves in the Illinois, Indiana, um trying to think of some other other instances Rutgers uh Vanderbilt Northwestern level of college football and that is not a fun place to be how about ACC Syracuse um yeah Syracuse Boston College up until uh, last couple of years Wake Forest yeah well Wake Forest until last year um which sorry, Mike. I think Wake's going back in the ditch. <laughs> I think they're going. I, I think. Um, I think both them and Syracuse they hit this peak over the last two seasons, and then obviously Syracuse was worse than Wake Forest this year. They yeah, beat them. They beat them, but they were worse. Anyway, um, they hit that kind of peak, and I think now we're going back into a valley a little bit in in both Syracuse and Wake Forest cases. But like Syracuse, Boston College, Wake, um. Before Lamar Jackson, Louisville wasn't that good for a long time. And yeah. like these are teams in the ACC, ironically, all on the Atlantic side, but even like on the even on the coastal side. I mean, Duke gets the most out of their program because David Cutcliffe's a really good coach, but like historically, they haven't been a great program. So like you put yourself instead of having the conversation of are we one of the two or three best teams in the conference, we're having a conversation or about are we one of the two or three worst teams in the conference if you have multiple recruiting classes like we just had. Yes. So fix it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so fix it. And I think they're trying to, and I think they're taking yes. steps in a good direction and it's early, but the 2021 class it's the outlook is certainly better. The next, than... the next nine months will determine so much and tell us so much about the future of this program for the next five to seven years. Yep. And coming off of the last few years of Beamer, I mean, it's crawl before you walk, walk before you run, right? And the last couple of years of Beamer were not very good. They were, they were, they were crawling. They were crawling, <laughs> and then and, and and actually, in some cases, just being just not doing anything, <laughs> right? And for and then we were, then we went from crawling to jogging in the first year of Fuente, and I, and I'd I'd argue truthfully the first two years of Fuente. They, they have 19 wins in two years. So it's like, okay, we went from a six-win program the last few years of Beamer to all of a sudden we're winning 10 games and then nine games in successive seasons. But now we're back to, okay, we won six games two seasons ago, and now we won eight games this year. So we're kind of back to walking. So where do you go from here? And the next nine months, to your point, with recruiting, with the play on the field, with everything that's going to be around this coaching staff with the vast changes that Fuente made and all the talk and all the hype about him potentially leaving for Baylor, which he didn't do. There's a lot of pressure on the program to be good this season. There was going to be pressure anyway, but it's ratcheted up a notch. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. He is. If you, if you take the buyout out of, out of the equation, which obviously is impossible to do, but if you do, Justin Fuente is sitting on a stove. Right. Right. 
Yeah, I'd argue. I mean, he was sitting. He was sitting on that stove in September of this year. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he like he was sitting on the stove with it on like low. Right. <laughs> and and since then, it's been turned up to like seven. And so it's starting to get pretty hot. And if it, it could definitely get up to high if if we're not careful here. Yeah, him him actually getting fired. I don't care what anybody says. That was never truly in play. There was a lot of people suggesting that. Right? I don't know, man. If they, it, it, it would have taken with that buyout, Rick. It would have taken. Yes, but if if they had continued to do what they did after the Duke game and done that for the rest of the season, then nothing's off the table. Right. I, I mean, the floor, the floor. Now, like, if they if they got like, you know, if they started, if they kept losing, but they were at least losing close, then yeah, there, there was no chance he was going to go. Right. But if they went out there and kept losing by two, three touchdowns again in back to back seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think anything was off the table at that point. Yeah. Well, because at that point, we're talking about a four or five win season. Yeah. And, 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 and in, in which your your average margin of defeat is somewhere along the lines of. 17 to 20 points right yeah so in that in that situation i totally agree i mean i think the floor to get fuente fired honestly would have been four to five wins i think Um, i I think i think four would have gotten him fired yeah because i mean five i'm still not sure would have gotten him fired with a buyout depends on i don't think i would have gotten it done i think i think it would have had to have been like a full-on just implosion yeah yeah, but against that, that schedule. Happen. Yeah, but it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. Yes, right. And and you know what? Thank God because I, I I'll be honest. Coaching searches suck. C- coaching searches are not fun. A- and no. I don't think any I think any former or current reporter will tell you that there is so much BS that you hear in a coaching search, and so so much minutia that you have to follow. I mean, it's just coaching searches suck, man. Yeah, and they suck more when the team sucks, right? And the yeah. reason why you're replacing a coach is because of a firing rather than a coach just moving on to another job. It's it's different, and it's never ideal, um, but you never want to bottom out. I mean, people saying, oh, yeah, just mail it in. I mean, there were people on social media, fans. I'll call them fans. I, I don't know what they are, but they were suggesting that Tech just mail it in so that Fuente could get fired. I'm like, you don't understand what that does to the program if you bottom out like that, like yeah. it's a long road back, a long road back, long road, long road. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about the Brock Hoffman stuff quickly? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. So right. Brock Hoffman had the, the hard hat video done, which they've since published one with Rayshard Ashby and Dax Hollyfield, which I haven't watched yet. Um, I'm curious about that one. I bet it's good. But, yeah, probably because th- th- those that was kind of an interesting relationship, right? Be- real quick, because you know Dax came in as the guy, you know the guy, and Ashby was just a kid who, you know, coming from from Highland Springs, I believe, is where he came from, um, somewhere just south of of Richmond, I believe, um, and with no no hype at all, zero hype, and Ashby's been the better player by leaps and bounds. And Ashby basically forced Virginia Tech to make Dax switch linebacker positions because Dax is better suited to play Mike. And, 
he hasn't been able to play Mike because Ashley's just been that much better. Right. So, so that'll shuffling. be an interesting, yeah, it'll be an interesting one to watch. But the whole well, my my point about Brock Hoffman that I want to make is, um, I have no doubt in my mind that Brock Hoffman is a leader. I have no doubt in my mind that Brock Hoffman will be a captain coming into this year. I have no doubt in my mind that Brock Hoffman will be able to be better than anyone else who snapped the ball for Virginia Tech in in 2019. That said, I think some have rushed to anoint Hoffman as the savior and as someone who is going to transform this offensive line into a prolific unit that will dominate in the ACC. Um, Not fair. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, right. A, it's not fair to Brock, right? Because those are pretty high expectations for anybody. And for a guy that has didn't play football last year, those are pretty high expectations for sure. And B, you know, Brock, there's a reason Brock went to Coastal Carolina to start out, right? I mean, Brock came out of high school. He did. He was, what, a two-star recruit, you said, Mike? Two-star, yeah, yeah, he was a two-star recruit. He was ranked 107th in the state of North Carolina, which look, man, like more power to you. That's a higher recruiting ranking than I would have gotten. Yeah. So more power to you. I would have been like 570,000, 102nd in the state of Virginia. You would have been the best, but you would have been the best type of recruit in that category. Yeah. (laughs) But you would have been, you would have been really good at it though. (laughs) You would have rocked it. (laughs) Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. but no, like, I mean, I, I, I just worry that tech fans are setting themselves up for a bit of disappointment because I'm not expecting Brock Hoffman to come in and knock the wheels off and, and become a, I mean, I don't even, I'm not even expecting him to be in a, an all ACC caliber lineman. Uh, I just am be expect- good, man. Yeah. Like I'm expecting him to be good. I'm expecting him to be competent. I'm expecting him to be reliable, but I don't know, man. I, I I just have this feeling that people are psyching themselves up a bit too much on Brock, and they need to temper expectations a bit and be more be a bit more reasonable. Am I am I, I being am I being too humbug here? I don't I don't think so. Um, he was a two star offensive lineman, no doubt. He was a late bloomer. His tape at Coastal Carolina looks excellent. Like he was a good, I mean, good lineman. And is a good lineman. I don't want to say it was. He's still playing. It was at Coastal but, Carolina. But it was at Coastal Carolina. To be fair, there is going to be a sizable step up in competition, especially in the ACC. And I think, like you, I think Hoffman will be a good player. If he's more than a good player and lives up to these lofty expectations, perfect. That's exact. That great. But if he I does, think- he'll, he'll go down as a tech legend for sure because of all the. NCAA story here and then yep. he comes back and if he yeah if he comes if he turns himself into a an all ACC player then he'll definitely go down as one of the the fan favorites for sure yeah and he's all he's going to be a fan favorite regardless because of his story because of how the NCAA screwed him let's call it what it is and because he, he is a very easy guy to root for we'll obviously be rooting for him really easy guy to root for our whole point is that tech fans they love 
they love to do this, right? <laughs> Travion Henderson is a great example, right? Travion Henderson, guys, it's great that they brought him in for a visit. <laughs> I think that it's important given the state of recruiting right now. But for the love of God, the likelihood that they land Travion Henderson, you said 1%, that might be generous. I don't care that he's from the state of Virginia. You look at the offers he has, you look at Virginia Tech's track record the last couple of years, and you look at the track record of Clemson, who's got to be the freaking leader, because he took a he took a visit there right after he took the Virginia Tech visit, or right or before, before I guess, he took the Tech visit today. I believe he either just got done at Clemson or he's going there next. Regardless, like, they're the leader, guys. Like, they're the leader in the clubhouse. Don't set yourself up for failure. Brock Hoffman, can he be good? Absolutely. Can he be great? Absolutely. Don't anoint him as all ACC before he stepped on the field. Don't do that with anybody. Just wait and see. Let the plan develop. Thank you for coming to Mike's TED Talk. Yeah, so that's my TED Talk. Just, like, let's temper expectations. Let's just see what happens on the field. Like, you know, you guys are acting like he's going to be the best lineman in school history. And if he turns into that, excellent. But let's temper expectations until he takes a snap. It's not fair to him, number one. I'm out here standing for Brock Hoffman. I'm a Brock Hoffman guy. And I think he's going to be very good. It has nothing to do with that. I just think the fans need to relax. Let's remember that uh, a certain guy named Will Montgomery played for Virginia Tech. And I'm pretty sure Will Montgomery was an All-American. Hey, so, a good, good NFL career. Yeah, he, he played, played for the Redskins. He did, uh, he did. Yeah, he did. And he was a, a lengthy starter for them. But, yeah, he, he's... Brock's got a long way to go. Again, I am. I would bet money right now, and I would give you odds that Brock Hoffman will be a captain coming into this year. That is the safest bet that you could make, besides yep. you being forced to pay taxes this year, yep. uh, and death well, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But again, just just to beat this horse completely dead. Calm down. Relax. And just enjoy the ride. Be be thankful that Virginia Tech is most likely going to have a very, very competent center for the next two seasons. Yep. Because that that's massive. Because I don't I, I don't remember the last time. I mean, Eric Gallo was competent, but I, I think Brock Hoffman can be better than Eric Gallo simply because of his size. Because that was one of the problems that Eric had was that he was kind of small. Um, but I mean, it, it's been a while since tech has had an uber reliable center and I think Brock can be the guy for sure. Yeah. I mean, nobody, I mean, this is the highest compliment I can pay Brock Hoffman. Nobody ever complained about Eric Gallo. I'll tell you who people did complain about David Wang. Like everybody would yell at him and like for no reason, oh, <laughs> it had to be. He's been here for 12 years. It had to be David Wang. <laughs> holding hold, holding on the defense in the secondary. Damn it. Oh, David Wang. Like, unbelievable. In, in the, yeah, just unbelievable in the student section every single time. So, anyway. That's my, that's my David Wang talk. So, just, yeah, just be like Gallo. Be a little bit better than Gallo. Just, and tech fans, just let it play out. Just I was not out. expecting to hear david wang's name when 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 i jumped on to record with you tonight 
it's a throwback, that's, right? It's a throwback. A massive throwback. Like it's I, a throwback, and I'm still not sure he's graduated. <laughs> so he's been around a while. You know who else has been around a long time? And and you know, God bless him because he's a great, a great dude. Tyrell Smith. Oh, he's been around forever. Tyrell Smith has been in, has been in the program since I was born. <laughs> his grand his grandkids are getting recruited. Yes, he's yes. been. Yeah, he's been around forever. And and real quick, the best bromance I've ever seen is still C.J. Carroll and and Tyrell Smith. Yes, that that yes. bromance was terrific. Yeah, CJ, it was real. If you're listening, hope you're doing good, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it was real. It was real. Okay. Uh, no more TED talk. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's hit on basketball real quick before we end this thing because the uh, the men's team beat Clemson. Uh, last night, seventy to fifty-eight. Uh, they played pretty well. Uh, no, they didn't. No, specifically, they didn't. Stop, stop, stop it. No, they didn't. They, 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 they did not play good basketball. Uh, no. they Clemson stunk last night. They were they were Clemson bad. But Tech hit twelve threes. What? Tech hit twelve threes. Okay. Well, I mean, bad. they're supposed to hit that number of threes. They take like fifteen hundred threes a game. Yeah, but they haven't been. You're recently. right. Okay, they You're haven't fair, been recently. Fair. But Clemson, um, Clemson clearly was disinterested in that game last night. They Clemson just played Florida State, and yep. for some reason that that hung over because look, Clemson was on the bubble coming into that game. Right? They are no longer on the bubble. They're gone. <laughs> yeah you lose the they, you, they better win like four games in the in the tournament if they want to even sniff the the ncaa's this year so, yes yeah clemson 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 shoots 26 percent from three in this game not was, great they took 35 defense. of them their defense was just i mean like i know they're I, I know they're playing the zone and sometimes the zone can look like people are standing around but they just looked really lackadaisical defensively last night. And, um, you know, th- th- that was one of the, I didn't think either team played a, a really good game. Tech just happened to play a bit better, and that's why they won. Um, and, and and one of the things I wanted to hit on was I think th- the main problem that we've seen out of Virginia Tech over the last, what has it been now, two, two months-ish, yep. two months and some change, is that there isn't anyone – that's playing good basketball right now that can create their own shot. The two guys that can create their own shot on this team. One of them is in a horrific shooting slump and the other is five foot seven. So yep. you put those two to and I'm obviously referring to Landers, Nolly and Jalen Cohn. So you, you put those two guys out there on the floor and neither one of them are really have been able to generate some spark and and some some explosiveness on the offensive end, and Tech's offense has gotten really really motion uh, heavy in terms of how they're generating points, and that works to an extent, but you have to have at least one or two guys on your team that can create their own shot, and if you don't, you're going to be prone to these long, ugly offensive droughts. Yeah, and that's kind of what has doomed them for much of this year in ACC play. They get into these games against competition that, quite honestly, like I think Tech should be able to compete with and has been accustomed to competing with 
but then you remember that Tech is out of like the 350 so odd college basketball teams out there. Tech is like 347th in experience. They're like third yeah. from the bottom in college basketball. Yeah. So like it's they're young, right? And they show their youth very frequently. And what you mentioned specifically there about not having guys who can create their own shot with freshmen, that'll come, right? It may not come for everybody, but for some guys on this roster, um, Naheem Aline, uh, Jalen Cohn already has it. Tyrese Landers Radford Nolly, already has it. Tyrese Radford already has it. Landers Nolly has it, but he hasn't been making anything, and he's been forcing up a lot of shots, but he has the ability to do so. Um, so if he sticks around, I think he'll be better next year. So there's there's options out there. They're just young. So that's kind of what Tech's – that's the missing link here for Tech this year, in my opinion. I think you hit it on the head. Since Landers Nolly went 12 of 22 from the field – against uh, Boston College in a game that they lost. This is um, how Landers Nolly has shot from the field. Here we go. Yeah, you, you ready? Take notes. Buckle up. Buckle up, gang. 3 of 15, 4 of 21, 1 of 8, 3 of 10, 2 of 9, and 2 of 9. Okay? The last, it, four, games, the last four games, he's made eight shots. Eight. I mean, what the hell, man? Like, I I I can't explain it. I I, I really his his drop off over the last what has it been now uh, since mid February has been just just nuts. Like it's it's been incredible to watch. Yeah, he's totally fallen off and. It's, he can't. He can't possibly go pro after this year now, right? Uh, he can go pro in something other than sports. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think he'll be going. He might be able to play pro ball, and uh, you know, if he wants to put on a mask and battle coronavirus, he can go play in China or something. Like his dad oh, comes God. out and says, his dad comes Mike, out no and says, politics. yeah. <laughs> his dad comes out and says, yeah, I'm. You know, my son's going pro after this year. I mean, that's fine, but it won't be the NBA. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. He, he might catch on on a on a, a a D League roster, and yes, I'm still calling it the D League. He he might catch on a D League roster somewhere. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just he's he has so much potential, and this is one of the things that got cut out in the last pod, and that's why I'm frustrated. Is that you and I made the the comparison to Nikhil from last year. Yep. There's N- Nikhil improved so much from year one to year two. And I really think Landers can do the exact same thing. And if he doesn't, I feel like he's going to be making a big mistake. He oozes potential and everything. Yes, he's everything. He's long, yep. slender. He can create his own shot. He has natural range. He attacks the rim fluidly. He can play really, really good defense. He he's got a ton of tools. He does, and like pro, a lot of aspects of his game are pro ready on paper, but then in practice, it just hasn't happened. And do I think that he'd benefit from NBA floor spacing and 
you know, better shooters around him. Yeah, I do. But I thought that about Nikhil, too, a couple of years ago when a lot of people were thinking that he would come out after his freshman year. It's better that he stayed. He ended up being a top 20 pick in the NBA draft. And I think that Landers Nolly can find himself in the exact same discussion a year from now if he sticks around one more year and develops his game a little bit more. Because, number one, I do think Virginia Tech can be a tournament team next year. And I think Landers Nolly will be better next year if he sticks around. I think everybody will be better next year if they stick around. And I think Tech's got a ton of potential to be really, really good for a long time here, just given what they have on the roster, regardless of whether or not Landers Nolly stays or goes. But if Landers Nolly stays, and, and a lot of people are talking about how bad he's been this year, and rightfully so, but if he sticks around, the ceiling of Virginia Tech, if he develops how he's supposed to, is immense if he comes back. Like Virginia Tech's, I would venture to say if Landers Nolly played to the level that he played in some of the games this year where he's been at his best, like the Clemson game in the opener, right? Great example. He played well out Maui against very good competition against teams like Dayton and BYU and and Michigan State. Landers Nolly didn't play poorly in those three games. Um, He played decent basketball. He played well in a couple of those games. So like there's obviously potential there with Landers Nolly. And I think that adding him in to the mix next year certainly raises Virginia Tech's hopes of making the tournament. And I think, you know, they could do some damage into March with a guy like Landers Nolly on the roster because it, it helped them having to kill last year. And I just, I just think having him for that second year was just so critical. Virginia Tech has two four-star guys coming back, or excuse me, two four-star guys that have signed coming in next year and Joe Bamasile, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, and Darius Maddox. And I'm not I'm not saying that either one of those guys can be a transcendent player, but if you pair them with somebody like Landers Nolly, plus the young players on the roster, yep. there's there is so, so much potential for Virginia Tech to make noise and especially in an ACC that's not as good as it used to be, relatively speaking. I mean Right now, the ACC, there's, what, four tournament teams? And that's going to be it? Yeah, and uh, it'll be five. It'll be five next year. I mean, North Carolina will be – I mean, they got a great recruiting class coming yeah, in. Like, they'll yeah, be right, they'll be right. better, obviously. Even so, I mean, we're used to talking about seven, eight, more, maybe even nine ACC teams in the, in the damn tournament. The ACC is not as deep as it was. So, it's a lot easier to come up from the bottom and start making noise in the middle of the pack and maybe even start challenging for like a six seed in the ACC tournament. So Landers, I know you're probably not listening. I wouldn't listen if I were you because you got other stuff going on in your life, but make, make the right decision. Stay in school, stay with Mike young. It makes more sense. And just because you're delaying the, the, the pro dream for one year, doesn't mean that the dream's not going to be there because as you and I have stated, Landers can play. He can play, at, man, at an elite level. He's got yep. all the tools in his toolbox, and they're sharp. But he's got to refine things a little bit. And it worked for Nikhil just last year. So, yeah, yeah. Consider consider that move to come back, and it it worked with Nikhil coming back with one more year under Buzz Williams, who's a very good coach. Even though Tech fans have soured on him because of how he left, right? Um, but he was, I mean, he turned the program around. He's the reason why Mike Young is able to step into a situation and have success in year one 
with a very young roster. And Mike Young is every bit as good of a coach as Buzz Williams is. And he doesn't get nearly the amount of credit because he spent his entire career at Wofford, right? He is every bit, every bit as good of a coach as Buzz Williams, in my opinion. So my point being drop the hot take on me like that. So my point point being, I do think that Landers Nolly with another year under Mike Young can develop into a type of player that Nikhil developed into under Buzz Williams. Wow. Man, all right. Okay. Yeah. Hey man, you win three hundred games at Wofford, you're doing something right. But you could make the counter argument saying you won three hundred games at Wofford, like <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well yeah, that's true. You didn't, you didn't win 300 games at, at Virginia Tech or Pittsburgh or Virginia. You won 300 games at Wofford. But if you won 300 games at Virginia Tech, number one, you'd be old as hell coaching. Number two, <laughs> you'd be <laughs> you would have a statue outside Castle. Yes. So yes. Consider yes. that. So anyway, uh, real quick, women's hoops, ACC tournament. This morning, they played in the second round against Wake Forest and Ricky. It did not go as swell as a lot of us were hoping. Virginia Tech entered the ACC tournament as a five seed. They were 21-9 and nine coming into play. Um, one of the better teams in the ACC this year, just outside the top 25. They lose this game to Wake Forest, 58-55. to Wake Forest is a 500 team overall this year, they're, and they're under 500 in conference play. They are not a good team. And Virginia Tech, brutal, brutal game shooting. Um, really, especially in the third and fourth quarters of this game, because women's hoops, if, if you're new to this, they go by the quarter system. Yeah. Um, Virginia Tech was 21 of 57 from the floor, which like isn't terrible. But in, in the third and fourth quarter, it was not great. There were seven of 19 in the third, three of 10 shooting in the fourth. And it just did not go well for Virginia Tech. Asia Shepard, for whatever reason, against Wake Forest this year, she's cursed. She had... You know, some poor play against Wake Forest before this game. And she finishes one for nine shooting, 0 for 5 from three. Um, she had a couple turnovers in this game as well. Really poor performance by one of Tech's best players. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna make the comment that if you have one player that hits a three pointer all game, that's generally not gonna bode well for success. Uh somehow Virginia Tech only lost this game by three, but yeah, it, it, it kind of puts a damper on the mood, right? Because Tech's going to be in the tournament, which is an, an achievement on its own that Kenny Brooks has been able to get Virginia Tech into the tournament. And it looks like he they're going to be there for the next couple years because they've got some good talent on the roster still. Um, but it, it puts a damper on the mood because now your seating's going to drop. Um, I think the last time I had checked, they were projected to be like a 10 seed. So now you're probably looking at like an 11 or a 12. Um, that's not a good place you want to be in. Uh, but that said, it's still nice that Kenny has been able to get this thing going. Um, but certainly not what you want to see going into the tournament. You have to hope that they use this as motivation and that they're pissed off about this because, if they are, they can certainly go out and, and win a game in the tournament. They do have that kind of talent on the roster. I mean, truthfully, they they might even be, uh, uh, you know, if you're into picking women's brackets, they might be a nice little dark horse for a Sweet 16 if they get a favorable draw. Yeah, um, they yeah, have. They... And the one thing, Ricky, that's kind of 
separated them this year from where they've been in the past is Liz Kitley. She was just named ACC Freshman of the Year. She is a post presence down low. The Virginia Tech women's team has been lacking to a great extent for a number of years, right? Like Tech has had, they've had good post play in the past, but having Liz Kitley be this good this early as a true freshman, uh, she had 15 points today, seven rebounds. She was five of 10 from the floor. Uh, she got into foul trouble early in the game. I think that did hurt, end up hurting Tech in the long run, but uh, she played most of the second half and was very good. And she has been very good all year long. Kenny Brooks said on the ACC network that, you know, when they landed Elizabeth Kitley's commitment, it was a diamond in the rough and they really felt that way. And her play and how she's conducted herself on the floor this year as a true freshman being as young as she is, she's providing a much needed post presence to a Virginia Tech team that, look, they shoot the lights out when they get going on the wing. But they just having that dominant post presence down low that they're now going to be able to lean on for three more years. It's huge. Yeah, it's massive. And, you know, anyone who follows the women's program knows that Reagan McGarity is one of the best players in school history. Yep. Um, But having someone like Liz who has the potential to be better. Yeah. this early as a freshman. Yeah, That's yeah, my whole point. Reagan was good as a freshman, but she didn't get to play most of her freshman year because she ended up having an injury. And I think I think Reagan's injuries kind of hindered her and maybe kept her from being one of the best players in the country. But yeah, it, it certainly bodes well. And it, like I said, it, it gives you hope that Tech can sustain this success. But in terms of this year, um, it, it's obviously an achievement that they're in the tournament. Um, but not how you want to go go into the into the dance, right? Yeah, I mean she's and also why in the hell this is game one eleven a.m. It was game one of day number two of the ACC tournament eleven a.m. on ACC Network Extra Raycom Sports, baby. Oh my god, ACC will never be able to get away from Raycom, will they? It's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving yep love that, me love me that, some raycom that describes raycom perfectly like just absolutely perfectly nothing screams raycom sports like boston college north carolina at noon on a saturday in october real quick while we're taking shots at the acc because obviously everyone loves to do that uh the commercial with packer and durham and dish peak peak go acc oh yeah like, yes like quintessential yes. hashtag go acc it, and if it, i remember we'll tweet so it out cringy yeah the commercial's so bad if you haven't seen it look it up you can find it it's so cringy it's so bad yeah and I, if they're, i remember i'll tweet it out really hard to make packer and durham like these two i guess you know transcendent media personalities and look, I've never met either of them. I'm sure they're both great guys, but sorry, not happening. Outside of the ACC, nobody, I mean, people know. Okay, so um, Mark Packer specifically, he has a show on Sirius Radio that he does, um, a college football show that I listen to regularly. It's very, very good. So a lot of people know Packer 
Um, a lot of people know West Durham because he's been around for so long, but like outside of the ACC, people aren't as familiar. So touting a dish from uh, dish commercial is, yeah. Well, you can make the judgment for yourself. It we'll wasn't even it a good commercial. Like if it was a good commercial, I would I would be okay with it. But it was so cringy, man. Just ugh. yeah. Like you know how on Twitter everyone likes to complain about the commercials the ACC network has. That up there. That didn't raise the bar. That, it, it just kind of, it's right in line with everything else we've seen. Yeah, not great. So we'll, yeah, you guys can make the judgment for yourself when we share it with you. <laughs> um, all right, so Virginia Tech women's hoops, they'll be in the tournament. Selection Sunday coming up this Sunday for uh, women's basketball. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, men's basketball, we're still a little over a week out. Tech plays their final game against the Tech men's team, plays their final game at Notre Dame this weekend. And if they win that game, I believe they lock up a first round bye. With and that wasn't going to be the case, but I believe it is now the case since Georgia Tech has been ruled ineligible for the ACC tournament. They dropped their appeal this week, so yeah, now things are getting a little bit weird with the ACC bracket. So if Virginia Tech wins against Notre Dame in South Bend, which will be a tough ask. Notre Dame's a beatable team, but it, it's it's just a tough game. You got to go out there. You got to play. Any any time you go on the road to face Mike Bray, you're you're asking for a bit much. Yeah, Bray's a hell of a coach. Yep. Yeah. Going on the road in the ACC is never easy. It's never easy to go to South Bend and play. I would would venture that Mike Bray might actually be a top two coach in the ACC. Roy. While we're dropping hot takes. That is that's 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 sizzling. Yeah. Um, In a conference with Coach K. Yep. Roy Williams. Yep. Chris Mack. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to back down from this. I don't know about top two. I. I love Mike Bray. I think he's an f- outstanding coach. I think he's for the and Notre Dame's been down for a couple of years, but they went on a run there for a bit where they were like elite eight, like consecutive yeah. years. Yeah. Um. Very very good, and they've been a tournament team for a long time. They're on the bubble leaning actually out they're gonna have to make some noise here in the acc tournament to get themselves back on the bubble but mike bray is an outstanding coach i agree with you he's a top i mean there there are probably less than 10 coaches in college basketball i would take over mike bray i would say but to put him in the top two in the acc just given the company he's in that's tough that's tough but i i, I think he's i think he's phenomenal <laughs> i think he's phenomenal anyway uh all right i think we're done yeah, so, yeah, it's been a good pod. Hopefully, none of this gets deleted. Um, no, while we're no, at we'll it, find out shortly. Subscribe on whatever app you use to listen. Uh, make sure you are downloading the episodes. Um, leave us a review. Yeah, rating on Apple because I know that's the app I use to listen, and I know Apple they use the reviews to help decide which podcast you get shown and went on the on the homepage of the app and all sorts of things like that so do that tweet at us man uh follow us on twitter mike is what mike mcdaniel at si or mike mcdaniel si yep andrew alex radio ricky the blue mine is simple uh hokey hangover on twitter as well um it's gonna be gonna be a a long off season i think it it is so hang with us. Um, well, I mean, 
God willing, this will actually get posted this time and we'll be back on our <laughs> regular schedule that we had been very good about before the recording issue happened. We had a podcast recorded. Ricky and I will never get that hour and 20 minutes back. Nope. Completely gone so, into the wind. Yep. Specifically, my audio will never be seen again. <laughs> Ricky's audio, we still have. It's just a little out of place. So anyway, um, we'll try to get Andrew on the next time. He should be joining us back here soon, so it'll be good to have him back. Uh, but until next time, Ricky, I mean, this has been good. Yeah, we'll man. Try to keep it rolling. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I have fun doing this. This is a lot of fun for me, and I want it to be fun for you. I want it to be fun for the people listening. So seriously, tweet at us. Let us know what you think. If you have topics that you really want to hear us talk about, just send it to me, DM, tweet at me, tweet at Mike. Do whatever. Just, just just let us know because one of the things I pride myself on is being interactive. I am I am more than reachable on Twitter. I respond to just about every DM I get, and most tweets I either like or respond to you or retweet you if I think it's a really good one. So, A man of the people, a true man of the people. That's the only way to be, man. Look, I'm 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 not that I'm I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy with a Twitter account who happened to cover Virginia Tech for two years. We get to interact that way. Anyway, all right. <laughs> this has been Hokey Hangover. Go check us out, like Ricky said. We'll try to get Andrew on the next time. Um, and until next time, everybody, go Hokies. Go <laughs> Hokies.